0: Welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by FTM Thrive. We interview people who have dealt with the trickiest of health challenges, but eventually learn to get well and stay well naturally. Now it's time to hear from one of our detectives. We hope you enjoy the show. By the way, I forgot to mention with, after changing my diet with metabolic typing, I've actually regained my cycles. And I don't have Whoa. PMS symptoms anymore, which I used to get pretty bad. So I really feel passionate about that.
1: Hey, what is going on, my friends? And welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDM Thrive. My name is Evan Transu, a.k.a. Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. Now, we have quite an interesting character with us. Her name's Liz Georges, and I say interesting character because she's one of those people who has just been able to do a lot of different careers and things with her life and be successful at them. Uh, Just off the top of my head, she served in Iraq, which I thought was cool, and then also even though she has this like really humble, calm, unassuming personality, she sold cars for Mercedes at one point and was one of the top people at her dealership. So go figure, right? And I laugh about that because I actually sold cars myself, uh, but it was, first of all, I think a little more obvious that I would get into something like that. I'm Quite extroverted on these shows, I would say, (laughs) but at the same time, I also did that just to get over social anxiety and stuff that I had at the time. And I'm being honest with that; I actually had that at one point. I could not public speak. I could not interact with people one on one without like blushing or having a huge issue with that. So I put myself in tough environments such as that because yeah, if you can go do that, oh my goodness, man, you can um you could definitely talk on a podcast or talk with someone one on one. Car sales is one of the only jobs in the world where the person hates you before they even come in and meet you. (laughs) You know, they're just not having it. They think that you're going to use some scummy tactic. It's like literally not the case. I'm sure some places do that, but it's just a sales job, just like any other sales job, right? We're not allowed to do crazy stuff or lie. Like, I don't know. I digress. Anyway, with that said, again, really interesting background with Liz today. She'll take us on quite a cool story, but... She got into the world of FDN not because of some extreme cancer diagnosis or even autoimmunity or anything like that, influences in her life when she was younger, and then certain dots just connecting perfectly, as well as her time in the healthcare space, because yes, that's another thing that she did. She realized that the healthcare space was kind of incomplete in terms of addressing patients. And so because of that, and because of, again, the stars aligning really in her finding FDN, she realized, wait a second. I need to serve people at a higher level and a more complete level. So now she comes in with this background with the traditional medicine type of thing and also with the functional side. So really interesting person to talk to and I always appreciate someone who can give us both perspectives objectively because we never want to be dogmatic one way or the other, right? I don't like when conventional medicine gets dogmatic. I definitely do not like when functional medicine gets dogmatic. So it's always good to have someone that can help bring us the best of both worlds and bridge that gap so without further ado here is our interview with Liz Georges all right hey there Liz welcome to the health detective podcast how are you
0: I'm great Evan thank you so much for having me
1: I'm glad to have you on. Everyone that regularly listens knows I love talking to fellow functional diagnostic nutrition practitioners. Of course, we have other people on sometimes, but there's nothing better than FDNs, man. They always have like really cool information, very passionate people. Very few people become FDNs by accident. That's what I found at least. And um, I know today what's cool about this, and I've had episodes like this as well, like Liz and I don't really know each other. There's thousands of graduates running around, and these are even more of my favorite episodes because then it's really just conversational and it totally leads to just us exploring uh, the different things that we've learned and experiences that we've had. And really the only thing I know so far is that, thankfully like thank god you never dealt with some serious like autoimmune disease I don't think or anything like cancer- wise which is a blessing and a uh, very few people here could actually say that so it's even more impressive to me when someone can get into this work without having dealt with that um but just to be clear I'd love to hear again if, if we could just that simple story about the cholesterol thing because to me that just shows the type of person that you are you act on this stuff immediately so um maybe not the craziest diagnosis but again you get you find out that you have high cholesterol and how did you approach something like that <laughs>
0: my doctor said hey your cholesterol is high I think it was 274 somewhere in that range and he wanted to put me on cholesterol lowering drugs and <clears throat> I was a medical assistant in x-ray tech and okay. I said no I don't want to take medications my grandmother was really into natural health and hmm. she was a health food nut and hated medications so I kind of grew up with this aversion to them so I asked my doctor can I work on this myself? And he said, well, it doesn't really work that way. And I said, well, let's let's wait and see. Can can we give it six months, test my blood again then? And he said, okay. So I went home. First thing I did was Google what causes high cholesterol. And one of the main things I saw was hydrogenated oils. And I mm-hmm. used country crack against grandma's advice. She would have said use butter. <laughs> so I cut out the country crack. I checked my cabinets, got rid of the the junk peanut butter, and what else started checking labels no more hamburger helper so cut out the processed foods i wasn't eating a lot but i was eating enough mm-hmm. and six sure. months later i went back and my cholesterol my total cholesterol was under 200 and my doctor said what did you do and I told him, there you go so that's, re- that's kind of how that, that happened and there's been a couple other instances like personally i noticed my own blood sugar running excuse me running a little high When I worked at a doctor's office, it was at 98, 99 every time I checked it first thing in the morning and I asked my doctors that I worked for, what's, if this was 102, you would tell me that I had an issue. So is 99 actually good? And they're like, yeah, you're fine. You're fine. But I'm in my early 30s. You know, I'm worried if it's 99 now, where is it going to be in 10 years? So I cut out, I stopped drinking Coke and I rarely... Eat sweets, you know, I I just, and the breads, I'm smarter about what types of breads I eat. So I, my rest, my fasting blood sugar is now down in the 80s. So that's something else that I kind of managed on my own and said, I know how I can deal with this.
1: I like that you took that approach with the blood sugar thing because, I mean, it's simple, but most people really underestimate this. Guys, typically at the time of recording this, Western medicine is still really operating under this paradigm where, it's pretty black and white on the labs. You know, it's either good or bad. And if you haven't gotten into that reference range yet where it's bad, it's one of the first things I think they still teach this in the FDN course, the blood sugar example, how, you know, uh, Someone who's actually acting like a detective could figure this out long term that this person's trending up, 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 up and figure out, hey, maybe something's going on here. But Western medicine is not going to necessarily recognize that until the day that you are out of that range. So, yeah, it's like, what the hell's three blood sugar points, man? I mean, that could fluctuate so easily. So I I totally get what you're saying where, yeah, it's like, well, if it's 102, you would say something about this. So 99 is probably not fine. Um, It's also disappointing to hear that the cholesterol thing. Right. It said like, oh well, they don't. It doesn't really work like that. And um, for any first time listener, I always say this, but you never know when someone's listening for the first time. It's not against doctors. Most doctors are not sitting on the Fountain of Youth in their back office. If you look at them nowadays, right? He, he or she literally probably believed that when they said that to you. You know, they're operating under that system that that's not how it works. And yet, a simple Google search led to this information, and then you were able to kind of take stuff into your own hands. Isn't that? It's kind of crazy how simple that could be for some people, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right. So I got to unpack a few things here. One, how did grandma get into that type of stuff? I feel like that would have been... I mean, I know my grandmoms all are like 70 plus. So not as many people were doing this in a natural medicine type of way. Like, was she like in this field or just interested in this type of stuff? No,
0: she was interested. My grandfather was a World War II vet. And we now know he probably had PTSD. He was... He was an alcoholic, and when my dad and aunts and uncles were teenagers, he quit smoking and drinking cold turkey. And my grandmother had read about a woman in Minnesota who ran a, a rehab clinic where she treated everyone naturally through foods and made sure that their n- nutritional deficiencies were recovered were so that it made the alcohol recovery easier. That's where she got into eating health foods and making sure everything was all natural so that she could support my grandfather through his recovery. He never drank again, uh, you know, a day in his life. So from the 60s until 2007 when he passed away.
1: Wow. Wow. Well, that's cool that she was able to do that because that's a hell of a thing to be addicted to. I mean, alcohol, just it destroys the body. It's pure poison, you know? Uh, you're not doing yourself any favor with that. So that's kind of cool that she got interested in that and, and was able to think outside the box, you know, and, and realize that maybe something else needs to be done. Now, for you doing the x-ray stuff, whatever, like, was that a particular passion or did you just do that? Because, I mean, I know that's probably a decent career path in general. So I'm kind of wondering, like, did something draw you to it? Or you're just like, hey, well, that's good money. I'm going to go do that.
0: It, it's an interesting story. I had been an executive assistant for 10 years, the first 10 years of my career. And I'd been laid off from my job and I was provided very nice severance. So I took my son to California on a vacation. We'd never been there. And we were at Legoland. And while he was on one of the rides, I started talking to a really lovely older couple. And the gentleman was a radiologist and his wife was an x-ray tech. And so they were... Just talking to me about what good careers those were, and I was in the army. um, And I decided, well, maybe I can reclassify and become an X-ray tech. So that's what I did. Sure. I I became an X-ray tech, and unfortunately, I deployed right right away. And I didn't know if I was going to stay in that career. But when I came home from my deployment, because I was in the National Guard, actually. I looked for jobs both in the admin world and in the x-ray world, and I found an x-ray job first, and I was also a medical assistant. So that's cool. what really – I think if I had just been straight x-ray, I'm not sure that my path would have changed the way that it did, but it's all the other work that I did that really made the difference in the the future that I pursued.
1: Cool. Well, and that's um... – a very, that's like kind of my next question because I'm so interested in the future. Because you know you've had some health stuff, but nothing—not the craziest thing in the world. You know you're doing these other careers, and yet somehow you end up as an FDN. So I'm very curious between what's going on, like during the X-ray time, or maybe even still doing that. I'm not sure, but then becoming an FDN. Like what eventually led you to here and be and pursuing this?
0: So I started working at the private practice where mm-hmm. the doctors told me 99 was fine, and. <laughs> There I was the medical assistant, ran the front office. I did pretty much everything. I handled all of our, client, our patient referrals. I roomed our patients. So I would have these conversations. And I'd have patients where, you know, they would maybe have a particular issue and say, well, you know, what if you eat more broccoli? And they'd say, well, I can't eat more broccoli because I'm on this blood thinner. Like, what do you mean? That doesn't even make sense to me, like... shouldn't you eat the broccoli and not worry about the blood thinner then? But of course I wasn't in the position to say those things to them. When I would check patients out, they would come out all disappointed. Doctor told me to lose weight and exercise. Where do I start? What do I do? And I had answers, but I didn't. First, I didn't have the confidence in my answers entirely, but I didn't have the time to individually counsel everybody on what they could be doing. To find out, what are you currently doing? What's your current lifestyle like? And I was very focused on diet. So after a few years of working there, I and seeing that there was this really great need in that community, I actually worked in an underserved community on mm-hmm. the bad part of town. So our client, our patient population, I think we were about 70% of our patients had hypertension, diabetes, and high cholesterol. So it was wow. very significant and I felt very helpless. I I wanted to be in the position to help them, but I wasn't in the position to help them in ways that were feasible. So when I left there, I went to college. You know, I thought, you know, I use my GI Bill, go to school and figure out how I can fit into the healthcare world doing what I want to do. Part of that was administration. I'm really good at paperwork. In running things. But the other part of it is, was how can I make a difference? My first psychology course, we were watching a video about functional MRIs and PTSD came up. Again, that's something I'm very passionate about having, you know, sure. deployed to Iraq and being a veteran. And I don't remember the word, but I remember the video said something about a very specific chemical was not acting right in the brain according to functional mris and people who have, who have ptsd and part of the word was something related to gluco or glue mm-hmm. or something of that nature and i in my head i just went, that's sugar there's something related to sugar that's not happening right in the brain i knew it wasn't exactly the, the direct translation but i knew it, i was onto something that Cool. If if something could if something is malfunctioning, maybe it could start functioning, and of course that should be able to happen through diet. Then, so I um every research paper I wrote in college, if I had the ability to come up with the topic myself, I chose PTSD and nutrition, and discovered there was absolutely no studies done on it in the United States. I could not find anything. My last year of college, I finally found one related to the uh, the tsunamis in Fukushima. Okay. And they found that the least incident incidence of PTSD was among the people who ate the most fish. So um, omega-3s was really mm. what the conclusion that they had drawn. So I finished college and I was gung-ho. I'm thinking nutritional psychology, this is where I want to go. And things happened in my life kind of derailed me from pursuing my master's degree. And I ended up selling cars.
1: (laughs) I did that too. That's why I'm laughing. That's so funny. I did that at 18. Yeah.
0: I mean, I I loved it. I had so much fun selling cars and after four years, I sold Mercedes Benz. I was one of our top salespeople. You know, I won a trip to Jamaica. I made more money than I ever made in my life. And I had great relationships with my clients. I really became unhappy. I didn't know why I was unhappy. I just wasn't happy. And I knew that this, there was a part of me that was establishing these relationships, telling myself, I'm not going to be here that long because I have a different passion. I have different goals in life. And I think that's what was making me unhappy was knowing I wasn't really following my passion, even though I loved what I was doing. So I made the decision. Well, I started thinking about it. What can I do? I knew I wasn't going to get a job in the field that I wanted without having a master's degree needed money to to get my master's degree and I had a little I had some saved up so I started thinking well what what can I do and health coach popped in my head you know I don't know where I got the idea of health coach I just remember it popped in my head but I was thinking what what were my interests in college what do I read about you know what are my hobbies what do I spend my time doing And I realized everything I do is about health and nutrition. I'm Mm -hmm. very all-natural. I don't use chemicals on my body. I I mean, I use perfume once in a while, but I use all-natural deodorant. And I don't use soaps except on my hands. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's... So I just thought that I could share a lot of what I've learned over my life with people. So I decided to become a health coach. And the next day, one of my friends posted on Facebook that she was starting a a health coaching program. So i was like oh my gosh what's this program and the following right. day i quit my job and pursued this health coaching path nice. so i became a health coach and i learned a lot more about stress stress was wow i'd been so stressed out and didn't realize it and you know i'd been i'd actually been very depressed and didn't realize it. i had no idea i was depressed because i'm a happy person so how can you be depressed and happy at the same time but i was and I went through the coaching course. It took me longer than it should have because of my depression, but I finally completed it, and I loved what I learned, and I loved helping my clients, but I still felt something was missing. I didn't quite have the nutritional information that I wanted, but more than that, I had a I have a Facebook friend. He's actually a, a chiropractor who practices functional medicine, and right. he was always sharing food sensitivity tests of his clients and I was like wow I want to get that done Like, how yeah. do you do that and I even met with him I was on a road trip to Texas and he's in Kansas so I stopped in Kansas and met with him and asked him questions and wanted to learn more so about six months after I completed my health coaching program one of the women in my health coaching group shared that she had just completed her oral final for her FDNP program. It's like, oh, what's that? FDNP. And I looked it up. I said, oh, my gosh, (laughs) like, that's totally the missing link. Like, that's how I (laughs) want to be helping people. Like, this is how I could get my mom to believe in what I'm doing. This is how I could get my stepdad to believe in what I'm doing. Honestly, it was more about my family than for me. I was like, wow, this, like, lends so much credibility to the things that we're saying. And it just, Mm -hmm. like, it was even more exciting to me than finding the health coaching program. It was like, Eureka, I found gold. And I actually was enrolled in a master's program to start in a few months, and I I called them and canceled that. I said, I don't need that right now. I still intend to do that someday, but right now I found something even better for me at the moment. So I'm really excited. I'm so I feel so fortunate that I ran into FDN the way that I did.
1: Yeah. What a great story. And I, I always tell people that with FDN um, because I, I had done like course enrollment stuff for a while, like, you know, getting on the phone with people and it's not, you know, I always on those calls, I'm looking genuinely to see what is in the best, the person's best interest. But when they tell me they want to go out and help people and they really want to do it naturally, and then they're deciding between naturopathic doctor school or FDN, I'm like, do me a favor just try FDN first because it's way cheaper, less time. It's more like, hey, we're going to get right to this. And then see if you still want to do that afterwards, right? And you can add it on, no problem at all. But we have NDs that come here. So I figure it's always worth trying that first. And people have been really satisfied with that, right? Because I I get what you mean with the masters. It's like, well, it's not so much the masters per se, it's what's the end goal. Can I actually help people? Can I do this as a business? Can I really enjoy this stuff? And it's like, Well, FDN allows you to do that, right? I've been here five years. I know that for a fact. Um, but going back to your story, I just found it fascinating because i'm someone like i'm a total personality theory nerd we had uh someone come on for the enneagram a while ago renee bergman and just talk about personality or whatever and i always like try to size people up instantly and still to this day i can't do it you come across with like this super calm demeanor like totally chill you're like oh yeah by the way been deployed uh deployed to iraq uh sold cars top salesperson like all this stuff like what like i i think out of all the people I probably guessed their type of personality in the last month, I was most off about you (laughs) to begin with. It's just, it's kind of cool, right? I think that's fun when I I can't predict that kind of stuff and you've ended up doing all these different things. So it's also interesting in your story how it seems like there's a lot of intuition involved. You know, like you kind of know that when you're doing those functional MRIs, you're like, well, wait a second, that doesn't make sense. And this means that, so maybe this means this, right? I love people that kind of connect those dots. And it seems like connecting of, the connecting of those dots led you to where you are today with um, FDM, right? Absolutely. So are you a a relatively new graduate or like when did you finish up?
0: I completed the program in August. So I'd say relatively new. Okay, cool
1: sure fair enough yeah because i was like how have, yeah how have we not crossed paths yet? so that's cool so um is this something now that you are pursuing to do full-time or maybe already doing full-time i'm
0: pursuing to do it full-time cool. i i have one client who's gone through the whole process with me and she's had really phenomenal results and i have another few clients who've taken some of the functional um, tests that we do and go through I've gone through those assessments with them and I'm currently helping them.
1: Excellent. So I'm curious because especially as someone who had, it seems relatively good health, when you go through FDN, you know how it is. I mean, we ask you to run the labs on yourself. And for those that don't know, you actually um, get labs included when you enroll in the course. It's part of the tuition. You are required to run them on yourself. And you will go over them with your mentor, the results, that is, uh, for about, like, uh, what is it, like, two or three different sessions nowadays, which is great. So were you surprised by any of the things that you found? Like, did you find that there was some stuff to work on? I did
0: find some things to work on. I knew, I knew my stress had been impacted. I I thoroughly expected my stress and hormone panel to be off. Mm -hmm. And it was. However, I was perimenopausal. When we started, I was i am trying to think I just turned 48. So I was 47 going through the program. And I thought it was normal to be perimenopausal at 47. Like I said, I felt like I'm a pretty healthy person. But I had Mm -hmm. lived under extreme stress. I'm going to throw this out there. My boyfriend, we've been together for eight years. He's a he's also okay. a combat veteran, two deployments, heavy combat, and he's got traumatic brain well, injury and CBI PTSD. So things at home are, you know, not always easy. You know, he's an amazing, amazing person, but we have challenges that most couples true. don't have. So, you know, between working 55 hours a week and then coming home and, you know, I'm his caregiver through the VA, So running him to appointments and just having this really chaos going on in my life continually, my adrenals had to have been tanked. So I I expected that. And my cycle was off that month that I ran my stress and hormone panel. And I thought I ran it on the correct day, on day 19, and my cycle came immediately afterwards. And that's just a sign that, you know, that's why my estrogen was as low as it was at that time. Yeah. So we, I was really able to look at that and figure out, you know, what I can do and ways that I can can work on that. My GI map was overall really good, but my good gut I bacteria think. was low. Okay. So, you know, those were the biggest things that, that we noticed with my testing. And then we did the metabolic typing testing, and I will say that changed That changed my life more than anything, to be honest.
1: Wow. Okay. So that's kind of cool because you know what? Not a lot of people, and this makes sense because so many people that come on, they're unbelievably sick when they go through fdn or as a client so i feel like it's easy to start going to like the gi map or whatever and saying okay this is the thing that helped me most and it might be hard to tell how much like the metabolic typing diet may have helped and i kind of find that that's interesting that that's one of the things that um helped you most so if you don't mind since that's never been talked about in the way that i would like it talked about on this show what is the metabolic typing diet just in your own words it's not like we need some technical definition um and yeah, what did you find from that?
0: So the metabolic typing diet is based on our ancestral history. You know, there's 13 indigenous groups of people in the world, and each of those groups of people had their own diets. And so their descendants were evolved to eat on those diets. So mm-hmm. I love the example of the Eskimo. Eskimos eat 95% plus percent of meat and fat, whereas you've got the Swiss, who eat predominantly dairy and grains. So if you put an Eskimo on a vegetarian diet, they're likely going to get sick and die. And if you put the Swiss on, say, a keto or paleo diet, they might get sick and die because they need those grains. That's how their bodies are evolved. So I found that really fascinating, and I took the test, and I was a mixed oxidizer, seemed you know easy enough for me and I looked at the foods and everything on the list were foods that I ate but what I noticed I started tracking my foods in ways that I never did before there's a great checklist how do you feel after you eat this food and I had started eating this wonderful Russian vegetable soup recipe that my sister shared with me and it was delicious but I would eat that and I had no energy It was Mm -hmm. just not the right combinations of food for me. I would be hungry right away, even though I would eat until I was full. I noticed pot roast, one of my favorite things. I've got, you know, this big chunk of beef with carrots and onions and celery. I could eat that and eat that and eat that. It's so delicious. I could eat until I'm beyond stuffed and I'm still looking for food. And that's because the Mm -hmm. carrots and celery don't pair well with beef for me. I need to have carrots and celery with chicken so I started noticing these things and what happened was in six days I had dropped five pounds eating more food because I was eating three times a day which I really hadn't done since I was a kid or in the military ate three times a day but three times a day I was eating more food and I lost weight but the most impressive thing to me was every single day my mood was elevated and I was like wait I'm depressed what's going on here And an example I love to share is I've been in therapy since I left my job at the dealership. And I just had a conversation with my therapist that we'd been treating for two and a half years. I was still depressed. And, of course, I refused meds. I was still depressed. And if I was in the Air Force, because he was an Air Force reservist, he would have me discharged for depression. And that broke my soul. You know, I was like, I can't believe I'm not even fit for service because I'm, Mm -hmm. you know.
1: I'm such a healthy person, but I'm not
0: fit for service. And that really hurt me. So shortly after I started the metabolic typing diet, you know, in therapy, I'm a therapist, like what happened? Like, like what happened? Like you're still going through all these things that you're going through in your life, but you're not, you look so happy. (laughs) You know, you sound great. You know, we're, it wasn't the same types of, uh, um, appointments anymore. Every, it just changed. And he was like, I love what you're doing. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it.
1: That's probably, uh, without exaggeration, probably the best testimonial we've heard of the metabolic typing diet on this show in a hundred something episodes. Um, So I think that that's really cool to just show what it can do. And I got to pause for a second too. I really appreciate your, because I know that, I mean, first of all, one, we don't know each other. And second of all, it's not like you're listening to every episode, from my understanding. So I just appreciate your willingness to come on here and just you just tell it like it is. You're like, hey, yeah, this is some real shit going on at home. You know, I have this boyfriend and this is what's happened to him. This is what's going on with me. I mean, you say it like just totally normal, right? And everyone has stuff going on. So I think we need more conversations like this where people just come on here and they're real. Um, I always warn people when I'm, I talk about mental health stuff actually in schools, and I always tell kids, I'm like, guys, social media is a highlight reel of our lives that isn't even real because we edit it to look a little better than it actually is. And very few of us are going to post the bad stuff. And I still do this, right? I still have the same problem. It's not like I'm going to post every little terrible thing going on. Um, it's so socially inappropriate, but it's totally socially appropriate to post all the great stuff going on in my life. And so I think sometimes there's nothing wrong with hearing about people's good things, but sometimes that separates us from really understanding that everyone has stuff going on and these stories make it real for people. So I very much appreciate that. Um, The other thing I'll say too, is what you just noted about depression and how the food helped it because your counselor said it best. You still have all this other stuff going on and yet something's working in the right direction. And for me, I had started working with a counselor at 18, and I got like 50% better maybe, right? I don't know, like five, six months, something like that. Now, that's great, but my 100% was pretty damn bad, so 50% was still not that great. And I don't know how this happens, and it's certainly not a condemnation. It's actually quite the opposite. I want to encourage people to keep doing different things. I talked to a lot of other people in the mental health space, um, other speakers as well, and they have come to a place where they can live an otherwise manageable life and, and productive life. Right. And that's fantastic. But I talked to them, Liz, and they're like, oh, well, you know, I still deal with this. I still deal with that. And again, it's not a condemnation, guys. I just ask them, I'm like, I'm oh, OK, oh, what, what else are you doing for that right now? Oh, well, what do you mean? I'm not doing anything for that. Like they they tried a few things in the beginning that got them to this certain place. And then that's it. I'm like, if you had strep throat and it got 50% better, would you say, oh, shit, that's all right my strep throat's 50% better. Like, no, we would keep going back to different places until someone fixed our strep throat, right? Um, And I understand strep throat potentially could be fatal in a short period of time if it wasn't resolved. It's a little different, but humor me here, guys. Like, The point is we wouldn't accept strep throat being 50% better or even 90% better. We'd want it 100% better. And so I encourage people to keep trying different things, especially in the category of mental health until you get the results that you want. Did it take a couple of years for me? It absolutely did. Was it worth it? 100%. Um, And I'm so glad that you were able to find this. And this is something, it's just diet. It's just diet. A lot of the same foods you're already eating, but you're learning just how to manipulate that and how to be more conscious of how you're feeling with it through that, uh, what is that called? The diet check record sheet? I I don't know why that slipped in my mind. And bam, there you go. Already having an improved mood and and doing that kind of stuff. I think that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, so that's a, a pretty good testimonial to FDN, I would say. You go through this. Yeah, maybe the GI map didn't show much, but uh, certainly got some good results. And um, I know that you said that this was kind of your passion. So did you know even before going through FDN, this was something that you wanted to, like, do as a career? Because it's not like you really went through it health-wise, I suppose. Yes,
0: absolutely. I okay, knew cool. that there was a role for me in society. I knew that there was a way to find the sick people and help them get better that's all that i saw in the private practice where i worked for three years and i keep going back to that i keep going back to that facility in my mind saying those are the people who need me the most unfortunately those are the people who really need their insurance to pay for it and this is unfortunately not one of those services that is going to be easy But my intention is to find grant programs so I can reach those underserved people who need it the most. But I I know that that's what I want to do. I want to teach them to cook wholesome, nutritious meals that are going to keep them satisfied for long periods of time. I know that there are ways to feed your family that are more economical and more beneficial than McDonald's or hot dogs and macaroni and cheese. Yes. And, and I say that from yeah. experience. I'll also share this. I was a single mother. I became a mom when I was 20. And I had a job at one time that I had given my notice. And my boss said, why are you leaving? Why are you unhappy? I said, because I'm feeding my son hot dogs and macaroni and cheese five nights a week because that's what I can afford. And he gave me a raise.
1: <laughs> wow. So wow.
0: I, I know that as, you know, when, when you're financially challenged, it's really hard to to be creative in the kitchen and that's kind of my specialty in a sense that I figured that out when my son was young and I also had my grandmothers I we lived with my grandparents for three years so my grandmother taught us how to cook these really nutritious meals so I nice I you know I I raised my son once I could afford a little bit more than hot dogs and macaroni and cheese I started feeding him a lot more nutritiously so
1: cool it's um I love that you have that experience. Well, I'm sorry that it happened, but I, I love that you come from that experience to be able to share with other people and to be able to serve those people because that's what's kind of scary to me. It's like... It's almost amazing in my head that somehow we have made it so that these processed foods, which take a ton of work, we have to add all these chemicals and ingredients in. Those have somehow become the cheaper thing than just the farmer simply growing a plant and, you know, we pull it off the stock or, you know, the animal gets slaughtered or whatever. Um, and I'm not making light of that, you know what I mean? But the animal dies and, and we serve the meat or whatever. The stuff that's single ingredients in most categories like has less stuff in it, that actually costs more. Then all this crap that we have to send to the factory and do all these things with, I mean, absolutely backwards. And the truth of the matter is if we were all demanding that tomorrow, it would shift and it would get cheaper over time, but we know it's not that simple, right? Because if we all started demanding it, the prices would go even higher than it already is. And then yes, it would even out as um, these like grocery stores and other manufacturers kind of understood that this is what people want, but that would hit a lot of people. It's already very hard for a lot of people. And now um, I've been lucky. I don't know about you. Have you found that like health food store prices or organic food type of thing? I feel like in my area, they hadn't gone up that much price wise, but I hear the conventional stuff in the normal grocery stores right now. Inflation is sending it through the roof. So now it's almost just as expensive. Yeah,
0: absolutely. (laughs) I live in Indiana. You know, we're surrounded by farms and my local grocer carries Amish chickens that non-gmo no hormones they're really high quality chickens and i buy a whole chicken once a week i roast it and it lasts us for several meals and i was paying i think a dollar 59 a pound for chicken a few months ago and now it's like 259 mm-hmm. $2. a pound and wow. like that's more than you know <laughs> it hasn't more than doubled but that's over a dollar more a pound that's that's significant so yeah. Broccoli, you know, all, all the fruits and vegetables have gone up in price. But if I do go to the health food store, and that's where I buy a lot of my, you know, I, I buy my supplements through our supplement store now. But when I go there to buy supplements that I don't have time to wait for, I've noticed that their right. prices haven't changed. The The things on their shelves, those haven't changed either. So that that is nice that I can still go there and get the things that the they cost more but they don't cost extra now
1: yeah it's really interesting how that played out and the craziest part about the chicken thing is like overall that's still actually a decent yep. price but then again you don't have the luxury it's like you're buying the chicken you still have to do all the stuff right but i know like the organic chicken um chicken's not really my thing overall but i mean a pound of that can be you know like 9.99 a pound or 11.99 a pound for the breasts nowadays like yep. oh my goodness it's 12.99 um, a pound at
0: my local butcher shop So I feel so blessed that my local grocer carries this really high quality chicken. And it's only 50 cents a pound more than like the Tyson.
1: Yeah. I mean, the damn beef nowadays ends up being cheaper than that, even if it's like the organic grass fed, grass finished thing. Um, And you get a lot more calories too, right? There's way more calories in a pound of beef than a pound of chicken. Um, You might have like a similar protein count, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, a pound of beef is going to be a thousand something calories, right? It's pretty fatty stuff. Um, But it's just, yeah, I keep hearing about people. They're like, oh, the prices are going up. Prices are going up. And I just had not thought about it once during this pandemic, thankfully. And I think this is another reason I'm on a side note here, but clearly you're doing this. So it's worth mentioning to buy local whenever we can, because the health food store I go to the main one, at least they have these little uh, cool stickers on their stuff. Like they have the major products that people want to find and demand, right? It's a big store, but then they also have these stickers that say local. And that for them means within a hundred miles and they try to do that with meats uh, like at least 50% of their produce is local and seasonal you know and so since the the um, what would you call that I guess I'm probably using the wrong word like the supply chain all that stuff there's less to it right some of the stuff is coming more or less directly from these farms where they know the farmers uh, directly like I said it's a lot cheaper to keep going back and forth there than it is to, all right, well, we need the gas to ship this across the country. Well, gas is up now, right? And this stuff has to go on a plane, and we got to freeze it, and we got to do all these things. Oh, there's a worker shortage. So, you know, there's a lot of things there, and um, I, I don't want anyone to suffer, and I know some people must be suffering right now, unfortunately, with these prices. But I hope that this ends up leading to a good thing where we go back to local. People start using the CSAs, Community Supported Agricultures, right? Um, maybe by necessity, But we need to do that. We need to take back the power of having, like, our control over the food. I never – even the health food store, I do that because it's, like, a family-owned business. But the rest of the stuff, I don't like the idea of giving these huge chains my money where it's, like – I feel so disconnected from the process, you know what I I mean? I do,
0: and it's interesting because I've got a grocery store a mile away, and it's a – they were just bought out by a slightly larger chain, but it was a family-owned business – from a family in our, I'm outside of South Bend. So it was a South Bend family that started the grocery store and everyone says, oh, they have the highest prices. They have the highest prices. It's a mile away from my house, but I would rather support them than driving three miles to Kroger, nothing against Kroger. They have great prices, but I would rather shop at Martin's than Kroger because Martin's is local. And, and sure. then we've got Meyer, which is another regional chain. I don't go to Walmart at all. I support Meyer if I'm going to, if I need that big box store. And it's because it's it's regional and their money stays regional and it supports our regional economy a little bit better. They buy from our local farmers and that to me is important.
1: Yeah, no, no, it absolutely is. And like um I love this is why I love just letting these podcasts flow because you never know where it's going to take. And I mean, hell, it's such a call to action. If you don't know what a CSA got is guys, you got to look that up. You got to give it a shot. And especially if price is an issue for you, that is your biggest ticket. That's going to be cheaper than the conventionally grown stuff. And organic CSA is going to be cheaper than conventional in a store guaranteed, not even a question. Um, And you're doing the right thing. You're supporting local. You're getting more nutritious food because now it didn't have to get shipped across the country. Like guys, when you buy vegetables that have been frozen and shipped, seven different ways it's losing nutritional value even if it's organic like it doesn't matter um and i say that like that not in some condescending tone but it's just surprising to me how many people don't realize that like oh i bought frozen organic i'm like okay well where did this come from one this isn't even in season two yeah where did this come from like this yes, you have an organic piece of produce, but there's no nutrition left in it by the time it comes to you. There was barely any when it started because of how um, things grow nowadays. So uh, with all that said, because I know we could do a whole podcast on that, I'm curious, who is like, if you've, I don't know if you're just at the point where, hey, I'll take just about anyone because I I love working with a variety of people. But who is your ideal client if you had to name like one type of person and what type of characteristics would they have? And I say that because we always bring practitioners onto this show and some of our guests just resonate with people better. So um, the more specific, the better. I'm wondering who your ideal client is.
0: Right now, I'd say my ideal client is a woman in her 40s, 50s, early 60s who's lived most of her life or I don't want to say most of it, but who's already moved <laughs> a <laughs> portion of her life. And she's struggling with the typical things that we start struggling with at this stage in our lives. You know, maybe she's going through early, early menopause like I was, by the way. I forgot to mention with after changing my diet with metabolic typing, I've actually regained my cycles and i don't have pms symptoms anymore which i used to get pretty bad so i really feel passionate about that you know getting getting women who've been where i've been and are feeling they're worried about aging they don't want to they don't want to feel older than they are they don't want to look older than they are Mm -hmm. weight gain I mentioned I lost five pounds with metabolic typing, but I lost 35 while I was going through my health coaching program. It was all stress weight. it melted off once the stress disappeared. Mm. So people who are dealing with a lot of stress and just feel overwhelmed with all the decisions that they have to make. They know that they know what they need to do to get healthier. They're just not finding the motivation and they or they've tried everything. And they're not seeing the results that they want.
1: Okay, cool. Now, where can people find you if they'd like to reach out? And of course, guys, we'll have this in the show notes.
0: I have a Facebook group called A Near Daily Dose of Good for You. Okay. And I have my email, which is vibrance soul coaching at gmail.com. Right now, mm-hmm. those are the best ways to find me. I'm still working on building my website.
1: Oh, oh good. I I'm Still to this day, years later, I... I actually find it easier sometimes, you know, because the website, if people get impulsive on there or whatever, if someone reaches out to you via phone or joins a Facebook group or email, I know it sounds simple, but it usually means they're ready, right? A lot of people can fill out a contact form on a website and you never hear from them again. If they're going to reach out, it's like, all right, they're ready to do the work. And um, I feel like you just have like a niche personality almost. Like if I'm like listening to this, I'm like, okay, again, I see this really calm person, leveled, grounded person totally vulnerable and willing to just share real stuff from their life so i relate to you in that way and then also badass like done all these cool things like things that you wouldn't expect so um i think this is interesting you're a unique person and it's going to relate to people and that's why we love bringing different people on because you might be someone's cup of tea that you know they've never really related to anyone on here and now you kind of nailed it down um with that said People know where they can find you. I want to finish up today with our signature question on the Health Detective Podcast. Nothing too complicated here. But uh, it always does. It, it requires some thought, I suppose, because we believe in bioindividuality and we know we can't really make blanket statements about health stuff. But with that said, the question is, if in this case I was able to give Liz a magic wand and you could get every single person to do one thing for their health, whether that's literally get them to do one thing or maybe stop doing one thing... What is the one thing you would get them to do?
0: Stop and smell the roses. Just take a break. Take a break from the stress. Give yourself that break. Take a moment to breathe. I had no idea how important breathing was until you know, I started this journey with coaching. Allowing yourself to not get caught up in all the chaos. Because whether you get caught up in not caught up in it or not, it's going to exist around you. So take care of yourself.
1: Taking a break. Wow. What a thought, right? And I don't mean that as a joke towards her. I mean, this seriously as a joke towards all of us, because it's so easy to say that. It's not crazy scientific, it's not a lab test, it's not all the stuff that we love, and yet it might be one of the most useful things that you could apply to your life, and I know I'm speaking for myself. I just released an episode recently talking about my experience with the Fitbit tracker and how I could not believe how low my readiness score was, even though I'm doing all the right things for health. And so just as an update, it's kind of amazing. I've already gotten this thing back up to a normal level relatively quickly, but it was it was simple changes, It's just being conscious of how... how... How much output we're giving in any daily basis or how we're doing the things that we're doing. We could sometimes go do the exact same activities and have better results by just making sure we're breathing or, yes, taking a break or just becoming more present, all of that stuff, right? So, Liz, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story. Always fun talking to fellow FDNs. And thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev. And if you like the information that we are sharing, please be so kind as to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. If you did that, we would love you even more than we already do. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys again soon, but until then, take care.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Health Detective Podcast. If you are finally ready to work with a real health detective on your health journey so that you can get well and stay well naturally, visit us at fdnthrive.com and click the Get Started Here button.